Thank you, God, for your grace, your mercy, your kindness expressed to us in your holy word that we are privileged now to study. We thank you for the person and work of Jesus Christ that brings us into relationship with you. I pray now, Father, that you would open our hearts as we receive your word. As we've already prayed, that this would not be simply a habitual offering, traditional sense, that this would not be checking off something that was done on Sunday, but that we, we would truly meet with you today from your word. I pray that you would bless the study today, God, uh, even amid the distractions potentially of, of the, the changes in sound system and change of locations and, and the face masks that, that are appropriate and just all these things that are happening, Lord, the social distancing and Amid all of this, Lord, I pray that you would settle our hearts for the next 30, 45 minutes to study your word clearly and plainly. Again, we thank you for the privilege of meeting today. And when we pray these things, we pray them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to try to unhook this. Am I going to mess anything up if I unhook this and go, guys? how hard they work to chain me to this thing. My chains are gone. <laughs> All right. Mostly. Still connected. All right. Well, I guess I'm preaching to this side today. So you guys can just pay attention as best you can. Um, we'll give it a shot. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I need to show you this picture. Smiling faces. Because that's what we're doing here today. We're glad. Uh, I just want to say a couple quick things before we even jump into the Word this morning. Thank you for your patience with us uh, and, and working with us the last... Should we move it this way? Let's do it. Thanks, RG. There we go. Thank you. Um... Thank you for your graciousness with the church. We've been doing what we can to work things online. I just want to say, though, if, if we could give a quick recognition to our brother in Christ, Mark Behrens, uh, Matt King, for the work that they have done. <laughs> Praise God for their ministry, the music teams, and, and just especially Mark and Matt who have taken the time to upload services so that we can all participate in worship uh, via online. So thank you for that. I want to say, even looking around here today, this is going to be super distracting for me because I just want to go give everybody a hug right now. Uh, even prior, my hands were just buried in my pockets and I had to come give hugs. So um, afterwards, I want to just say, uh, and I'll mention this again in just a bit, don't feel badly at all about just dismissing yourself to your cars. This is one of those days where we kind of have to uh, kind of shrink back on our desires for fellowship. It'll come. It'll happen in God's time. Uh, and those who feel necessary to wear the mask, that's great. That's fine. Please continue to do so. Um, if you feel awkward in any way right now with where you're sitting, uh, feel free to... Well, you, there's a seat right up here. <laughs> Spread your chairs out if you need to. 
Uh, this is one of those very, very, very flexible services, so spread out in the congregation if you need to. There are some seats still up in the, fo- uh, up in the uh, balcony if you'd like to go worship up there. You feel free to do that, and if, if necessary, we can open the doors and sit in the overflow. Uh, we sent out some surveys. We did some online stuff. I want to thank Chuck for doing all this, just to try to get a feel of what would happen today, but there was no good way to gear this. Uh, we're going to get back together as an elder team tomorrow to see if we may, ni- might need to make some adjustments for n- next week. But we want to thank you for being here today. I'm going to do my best to work through this passage as focused as we possibly can be through Psalm 122. Um, and we will, we've been encouraged to summarize things. I'm going to do as best I can, but we need to receive the meat of the word today. So I hope your heart has been prepared to receive the word. If you've not done so yet, would you please take your Bibles this morning? Boy, I've been waiting 10 weeks to say this. Please take your Bibles this morning, your devices, and would you go with me to Psalm 122? Psalm 122. I have been thinking on this verse uh, through this time of social distancing, quarantine time. And today is a bit of a reality, even though it's a bit different. Here it is. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. So I am glad to see you all here this morning. Um, What do we see up here? I mean, there's different smiling faces. Maybe this one kind of shrunk a little bit, but I love smiling faces. I'm going to tell you, this is built in to how God created us, is this emotion of happiness, smiling, it is okay to smile. I think one of the proofs of this in our, in our technology age, um, and in fact, my daughter, Kara, proved this yesterday to me. I said, Kara, what is the most popular emoji? Without even talking to anybody, without any, she proved it to me. She said, Dad, it's this one. And it is. It is tears of joy and smiling face. I mean, they do all these statistics. This is the most popular uh, emoji. To me, this says that as a hum- humanity, we are calling out for how God has wired us. What am I talking about? We want to be happy. We want gladness. Certainly, there's times of sadness in our lives. There's times of trial. There's tough times in our lives. And actually, some people think that's what this emoji is all about. Smiling through tears. So there's so many meanings to this particular emoji. But the fact of the matter is, we are calling out as people to smile, to be glad. In my mind, I think of different areas of gladness. Um, I think of when I I was a little critter. We'd go on a a family vacation, and we had to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. You know where we were at. I didn't sleep a wink that entire night. I was so glad to get on the road with my family. We're going somewhere. I mean, maybe for some of you men in this room, it's the gladness wired into you the night before opening day. You know what I'm talking about. When that big one's been on your trail cam for four months straight, you know that gladness in your heart, that anticipation to get up in the morning. You're stoked about it. Maybe it's women. You're stoked about the... Thanksgiving Day feast that's coming the night before Thanksgiving when you know at 10 o'clock the next morning all of your family members are coming to your house and you sleep like maybe one hour that night. Why? Because that gladness is in your heart. 
I want us to kind of take King David and put him into that mindset this morning. That is how we're approaching this passage. King David, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he says this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There's this inner gladness of knowing that we're going to come together and worship God. Um, if you would just look at your look at your passage, either in your Bible there, your device, or even turn your hand out over if you'd like. Let's just read through this short chapter, and then we'll unpack it, make some application, and, and we'll be gone in just a little bit. By the way, is it a bit warm in here? Is there a way we can maybe turn on some air? I'm going to be soaked by the end of this time, if not. It is what it is. All right, if we can turn on some AC, that would be great. All right, let's read this psalm together. I'll go ahead and read if you follow along. Here's what David says. He says, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Verse 2, our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem built as a city that is bound firmly together to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. Their thrones for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Okay, so what is this? Psalm 122. Naturally, our minds go to verse 1, and we just cling to this verse with all we've got, and we're excited about meeting together with other followers of Jesus Christ, other worshipers of God. But we need to kind of set up a bit of a context here to this passage. What is this? Well, you can see the title at the top of there. This is a song of ascents of David. So this, as we've already mentioned, is a psalm of David. Possibly this is David. It's possible, and we don't know exactly the setting behind this, but possibly this is David as a young, reminiscing, King David reminiscing his days as this young dude, ready to go worship at the tabernacle with Jesse and his brothers. It's possible that that's the setting. Some commentators think that's might, that might be it. Um, I would say it's most likely, though, a more mature King David possibly towards the end of his time of his reign. This is King David looking at Jerusalem, a place, if you think about this, you think about this tabernacle, this is a place that David has set up a place to worship with the Ark of the Covenant in Jerusalem. Think back through Israel's history. What happened uh, just prior to Saul becoming king? Remember, the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. Do you remember this story? Then the Ark came back. Then through Samuel, it's possible that the Ark went on kind of this, this uh, I don't know, journey of different locations. Shiloh was the main one through the time of, of the judges, but it went on a kind of a journey. This is the place where people would meet with God, and it kind of traveled to different locations. You can see this through the story set up in 1-2nd Samuel. Well, David now crying out as a king. 
He has now set up, if you look at the history of this, he's set up a tent in Jerusalem for the Ark of the Covenant. And he is so stoked because this is a place of unity and peace. This is a place where God's people can come to worship in Jerusalem. So, we find here a King David who is expressing overjoyed emotion here. He is expressing emotion for the opportunity to worship in a secure, peaceful location. And he is expressing this joy, realizing that other people are going to come worship too. There's a place set up to worship. You also notice it says, a song of ascent of David. This is a song of ascent. We've talked about this several times, so I'm going to not talk a lot of that right now other than to say this is beautiful. Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. 15 psalms were used for almost a thousand years, some interruptions between, for people of God to travel to Jerusalem after David sets this up, to travel up to Jerusalem to worship. And as they traveled to Jerusalem, they would quote these psalms. This psalm, Psalm 122 was used really to set the tone of worship. Hundreds and thousands of worshipers of Yahweh would sing this regularly when they would come up to the three feasts in Jerusalem. They would sing together, reminding them of the joy of worshiping together. They would sing together, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Thousands of people would sing this. This is a psalm that portrays the heartbeat, a general heartbeat of a worshiper of God that is absolutely consumed with the blessing of participating with others in corporate worship. This is the heartbeat right here. And there's, there's so much we could talk about in our short time today about this psalm, Psalm 122. Um, but really what we need to do as we approach this little gem from David is we need to step back first. As you can see on your handouts, we need to think through some guiding thoughts because here's the temptation. We've talked about this um, in our hermeneutic study on interpretation. Sometimes our temptation is to take where we are right now. I mean, so we're talking 3,000 years after this is written. And we love to take ourselves and just basically implant ourselves right in there with King David. No changes in time uh, and place. We love to just take these psalms and just sing them as if they were today. However, brothers and sisters in Christ, a lot has happened since King David wrote this. We need to remember that. We're talking about 3,000 years of what's known as God's redemptive plan. We're talking about hundreds and thousands of verses being written. We're talking about the fact that God has continued to advance His redemptive plan since the time that David wrote this. So, when we approach this, we need to remember two basic things. First of all, when this passage was written. And then, where are you and I in God's redemptive story? Where are we? As we read this, where are we in the plan of redemption? In other words, as much as we love to quote and meditate on these verses especially in times like COVID-19, wanting to meet with the body of Christ, we need to direct our thoughts. We should be super careful not to just implant ourselves with David. 
We need to be, we need to realize a lot of Bible's been written. A lot of years have happened. So, this is where we carefully embrace a couple thoughts before we even get into this chapter. So if you're with me this morning, here's some guiding biblical truths before we even jump into uh, Psalm 122. We're going to take about half our time today and look at these because this is very important for where we're at today, especially in our culture through COVID-19. And here's the first one. We must remember this. In Christ, brothers and sisters, our eternal relationship with God supersedes location. Okay, let me say that one more time. In Christ, our eternal relationship with God supersedes location. Think about this with me for a minute. Psalm 122 is grounded in locations. What are the primary locations that you're reading in verses 1 and 2 in Psalm 122? Here they are. The house of the Lord. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Here's the second one. Our feet have been standing within your gates. Oh, Jerusalem. When we think about this, the house of the Lord is the tabernacle of God, the place where the Ark of the Covenant was housed. All right? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't have that now. Please understand that. The Ark of the Covenant is not in Jerusalem. We need to remember these things. Jerusalem, the other tag here, is just simply a tag for a place of prosperity. At this time in redemptive history, it was being set up as like the epicenter for protection, for worship of God through David. By the way, when was the, the temple built? Remember this? Solomon, David's son. The temple of Solomon after David. So David sets up this temple, uh, this, this, this tent. Now Solomon comes in and sets up this temple. So here's the question at hand. And I'm going to skip through some stuff here, but here's the question at hand this morning. How does this awesome passage, and this is an awesome passage, Psalm 122, how does it apply to you and to me right near, right here, right now, today? Well, the clear biblical answer is this. In Christ, our blessings supersede location. In other words, please get this. I've been meditating on this for about 10 weeks. We don't have to depend on three trips to Jerusalem each year to find the presence of God. More to the case in point, we don't have to wait until our government says we can open our doors to worship God. Through Christ, our worship is not restricted to one location and one time. We have to wrap our minds around this, brothers and sisters in Christ. Hey, this is awesome. This is an ideal. But worship doesn't just happen in this room. Praise God. Through Christ, our worship is not restricted to one location, one time. How do we see this? Well, how do we know this? I want us to think back to a story in the New Testament. Maybe you remember this story well. It's in John chapter 4. If in your mind you go to John chapter 4, Jesus and his disciples traveling through a place called Samaria, which is, there's a lot of racial unrest in Samaria. I'm not going to go into all of that right now. But Jesus sits at the well as his, as his disciples travel into the city. To the well comes, well, very clearly in the passage, she's an adulterous woman. Uh, married several times, and the, the man she's living with at the time is not even her husband. 
And, and you look at the passage, and Jesus talks with her. And this is amazing, because what does Jesus say? I'm just going to say, this woman all of a sudden puts our theology talk on. Did you catch this? All of a sudden, she's being super spiritual and wants to talk to Jesus about locations of worship. Look with me at the passage. Well, actually, you, you don't have to turn. I'll, I'll just read it for sake of time. You can there if you want. But verse 19 says, The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She thought she'd be super spiritual now and talk to Jesus about theological matters. And here's what she says. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. But you say in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. I love Jesus' answer. Here's what he says. He said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. He's superseding location here. And here's what he says. The hour is coming and now is here. I love this. Through Jesus, it's here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is a spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to Him, I mean, I can imagine, I'm just playing this over in my mind, and I can't wait to get an instant replay of this when I get to heaven. She's looking at him and she says, kind of steps back maybe a little bit, like, whoa. And then she gets theological again. And she says, I know the Messiah is coming. He's called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. What did Jesus say? Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Brothers and sisters in Christ, coming from Jesus Christ's own mouth, in Christ, our eternal relationship with God supersedes location. 2,000 years later, in Redding, California, Cross Point Community Church, brothers and sisters in Christ, our worship is not contained to these walls here. In Christ, our worship is where we're at every single day of the week. Worship should happen from the time we get up in the morning all the time till we lay our heads on our pillows at night and all through the night. That is the worship that God Almighty is looking for. Certainly we listen and we obey the, the, the structure set up in the New Testament. We're talking about what the author of Hebrews says of not forsaking your gathering together. But the truth of the matter is this. Worship is not contained to this location or another location in Reading or another location in Reading or a location in Jerusalem. No, our relationship in Christ supersedes location. I love what John himself says to the Spirit in chapter 1, verse 14. I put it up here. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who's the Word? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ became flesh. And that word dwelt, guess what? It's the word tabernacled. Jesus Christ became flesh and He tabernacled with us. I mean, I want us to advance this thought just a little bit more. These are guiding thoughts before we even talk about some of the blessings of Psalm 122. Here's another guiding thought. In Christ, we can rejoice continually in the presence of God. Those two thoughts come together, I believe, in what Paul says to the church at Corinth. We need to wrap our minds around this. Paul, to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, what does he say? 
did you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own, for you have been bought with a price. So glorify God in your bodies. In Christ, we can all rejoice personally and continually in the presence of God. If you have been saved by God's grace, brothers and sisters in Christ, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. He is tabernacling with you. Here's the beauty of this, though, brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a tabernacle of the Spirit here and here and here and here. And through all of this congregation, we have tabernacles, temples of the Holy Spirit. But then there's this amazing corporate aspect to this, also pointed out by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So when all of these temples come together, we form what is known as the body of Christ. This is a collective temple of God. Let me just read a verse that proves this to us. Verse uh, 16 of chapter 3. Do you not know? And in this passage, he's talking corporately to the entire church here. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we gather here today, this is not just a tradition that happens to check off that we did church. If we can wrap our minds around this, that the Holy Spirit of God is present with us right here, right now, with the body of Christ. We are the temple of the body of, uh, of the Holy Spirit right here, right now. I, mean, I, I put on your sheet there a couple other passages, and here's what I'm going to do. Would you take those home and study those today, uh, this week? Um, Ephesians 2. All right, I'm going to go ahead and read Ephesians 2, sorry. Ephesians 2, verse 13 says this, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off are brought near by the blood of Christ. Uh, down in verse 18, for through Him, we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. Um, verse 19, So then you, talking of Gentiles, are no longer strangers and aliens. Okay, so praise God, we're no longer aliens. <laughs> but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Built, and here it is, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In Him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the church of God can fully embrace these truths as we step into Psalm 122. These truths, here they are. In Christ, our eternal relationship with God supersedes location. In Christ, we can rejoice continually in the presence of God. The fact of the matter is, here's where the rubber meets the road. Before we even jump into Psalm 122, here it is. Through COVID-19, as we already mentioned, Church never stopped. Worship never stopped. 
Sure, we're grieved that our beloved corporate gatherings have been temporarily regulated. Yes, we have longed to faithfully meet together in a normal, normal sense, whatever that might be. In this normal sense, we're longing for that. And by the way, if that longing is not there, there's some other hard issues going on. So certainly we long for this. Sure, we, we, uh, we realize that relationships are stifled. Sure, friendships have been stretched. Sure, fellowship has been scarce. But the biblical fact is this. Worship is not confined to this time, this place. Let us never forget that. As we think on our church, the church of God in Redding, California, Cross Point Community Church, praise God that worship can happen all through the week with all of us in our homes, at this location, at our workplace, in our cars, with our families, with our neighbors. Worship happens. Nonetheless, we still hold to the truths of Psalm 122. So realizing those guiding facts in Christ, our eternal relationship with God supersedes location. And in Christ, we can rejoice continually in the presence of God. Now, let's seek to interpret Psalm 122. Now, let's look at the joys of this passage. Starting with this verse. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Okay, so this is not a hard point to pull from the text. Here it is. Worship gatherings should be occasions of gladness, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is a happy place. One of our favorite songs around the house in times of dis destruction or, or confusion or frustration is Happy Dance Song. Maybe some of you know the Happy Dance Song. This is a happy place. We love happiness in the church of God. Yes, there's burdens, but we come and bring those burdens to Christ. And this is a place of gladness. That concept of gladness is, is as it means, as it says. It is to rejoice. It's like it's to be proud of in a good sense. I'm proud of that place, those people. I'm proud of the fact that through Christ, these are my people. We worship God together. I was glad. This is a place of gladness we pulled up today. And I mentioned this in one of our online services. Uh, I pulled, we pulled up today, and my daughter Emma, two-year-old, gets out of the car, and I'm like, what's that? He says, that's Emma's church. Little two-year-old. Those are my people. Brothers and sisters in Christ, that's the case here. This is our people. This is the body of Christ when we come together as seen in Psalm 122. We love seeing each other. This is a place of absolute gladness. When I see your faces today, I, my soul is happy to see you. This is an absolutely ridiculous illustration. But this week, we, uh, when we were in Colorado, we had some precious friends that uh, knew uh, our family. We like horses. And they passed on some horses. We brought them out from Colorado. Um, uh, and uh, they stay in our pasture. Well, this week I was doing some, some yard work and I left the gate open. We have this, this uh, gelding that thinks he's all that. And he stepped out and I'm like, oh man, get back in there. And he did his little hitch kicks and he's like, yeah, I'm out! And he takes off prancing and dancing, strutting his stuff all the way down 
our neighborhood street. Just having the time of his life. I mean, I get on the four-wheeler, and Kara's got the bridle, and she's like, oh, brother, here it goes. So we go down there, and he's a good horse, and, and actually there's other horses in our neighborhood, and they're not gonna, it's not going to be a big deal. But I watched this horse. He was seriously light on his feet as I've ever seen him. Strutting and dancing all around. All the horses in the other pastures like, yo, what's going on? He's free. He's glad. And in my heart, you know what I thought? That's what it's going to be like when I go to church Sunday. Strutting and dancing and laughing and being with my people. It is okay to be happy, to be glad in the place of worship. I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I mean, I, I, we, we, we tag this to this Old Testament passage, but brothers and sisters in Christ, this is clearly seen also in the New Testament text. We're talking about Acts 2. If you want to write down Acts 2, go ahead and write down verse 46 in your Bibles if you want. Here it is. The, new, the first church in Jerusalem, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. That's how we approach the body of Christ, with glad and generous hearts that we can meet together. To the direct point, it's this. Brothers and sisters in Christ, worship gatherings should be occasions of gladness in our hearts. Let's go to one other quick one. Worship gatherings is, is seen in verse 4 of this wonderful passage. Psalm 22 should be saturated in gratitude. Here's what the verse says. Verse 4. To which tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel. Here it is. To give thanks to the name of the Lord. Through the Spirit, David could have said any number of things that they would do when they got to the Ark of the Covenant. What did he focus on? Giving thanks to the name of the Lord. I'm going to say, brothers and sisters in Christ, this is what should happen at Cross Point Community Church when we gather together. We have so much to be thankful for. One of my children last week was uh, working through some frustrations of being pent up and friends and and, and uh, um, it was, he, he, okay, sorry, David. Uh, he, was, he was working through this in his mind and, and trying to figure out how to be happy. And I said, David, I want you to stop all you're doing right now, and I want you to go back in your room and take your journal and write down 20 things that God has done for you that you can be happy for. He comes to me. I'm going to tell you, there was a noticeably different change in his attitude when he came and talked to me. Why? Because it was an attitude of gratitude. Brothers and sisters in Christ, what would it change if we came to church like that every single week? What happens when we, when we embrace this attitude of gratitude? Life becomes not all about me and my struggles in life and my frustrations. It becomes all about the blessings of God Almighty on my life. There are things to be thankful for. And that's exactly what David says in this passage. We give thanks together corporately. Thanks when we come together in personal worship. We do this in our entire corporate worship should be saturated in thanksgiving. What am I talking about? From the time you enter onto the campus here, when you enter into the, the sanctuary here, or, or what we call the auditorium, 
Anytime we're around each other, we come with an attitude of gratitude. We're talking about thanksgiving in individual conversations. It's not, oh boy, can you believe this? And oh boy. And taking five minutes to complain to each other. There's an element of, hey, can I share with you something that God did in my heart that I'm so thankful for? This is a place of gratitude in individual conversations. This is a place of gratitude in the songs of praise we sing. Singing thanks to God. Every single song is gratitude to our Lord. Whether it's a prayer of meditation song or an anthem of glory. It is thanksgiving to God. The proclamation of the word. Brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm just going to say this. If, if you go through a sermon that I preach and I'm not sharing some sort of gratitude to God for His grace and mercy and kindness in the personal work of Christ, I will tell you this, you should not be here. This is a place where I should regularly share with you the goodness of God that we can be thankful for. It should be seen, our gratitude should be seen through our corporate gatherings in our confessions of faults, in our reassurance of grace and kindness of God. Gratitude should be built into the framework of everything we do at Cross Point Community Church. Worship gatherings should be saturated with gratitude. Let's, let's look at one other one. And then we need, to, we need to go our way this morning. Worship gatherings should be characterized by peace and security. Alright, we see this very clearly in the text. Look with me at verse 5. Their thrones for judgment were set. Their thrones for the, of the house of David pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my prayers and companions' sake, I will say, peace be within you. All right, what is this? Again, we remember our place in redemptive history as we read through this. Simply, this is evidence that David is consumed with keeping the house of the Lord and the city of God a place of peace and security. And I would say, brothers and sisters in Christ, just like we should. This is a place of peace and security and unity in the Spirit. The bond of peace. How would this happen? Well, in this text, it happens, verse 5, as God allowed for the exercise of biblical justice, the presence of the king. Oh, this is so beautiful. We could, we could continue to take this and go with it. I'm going to summarize it today and say this. Obviously, we know that true biblical justice will not fully be served until King Jesus returns to set all things right. That's why we see the brokenness of the world around us. That's why we see the rioting happening. That's why we see frustration coming out of people right now. Jesus returns to set all things right and we will see all of this fixed through Jesus Christ. That is where complete biblical justice will happen. Nonetheless, still here in the body of Christ, we seek unity. We seek peace. We seek biblical justice. Uh, how, how appropriate is this for right here, right now, 2020? So many different opinions, even in this, this room right now, about what's going on. You turn on the news for five minutes and your heart's going every which way. And then you turn the channel and it's going every which way. People are desperate. And here's the fact as I've been thinking through all of this. People 
are desperately looking for peace and security. Here's my call, brothers and sisters in Christ. Here's my prayer. Let this be a place of peace and security. God, let Cross Point Community Church be a place where peace can be found through Jesus Christ. Through the angry reactions, through the disturbing cases of injustice with Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd, people are desperately looking for peace, justice, security. Let them find it in this congregation in Redding, California, Cross Point Community Church. Through the angry reactions, the rigid, rigid riots, the ungrounded violence, I just shake my head thinking, what is happening? Through all of this stuff of the last couple days, thousands of pent-up quarantined people like a time bomb now hiding behind medical masks because they unleash disgust in unlawful ways. Violence and looting. And all of that, I think, what can I do? Here's what I can do with my brothers and sisters in Christ. We can make this a place of peace and security through Jesus Christ. We can fully pray this. Oh God, let the body of Christ at Cross Point Community Church shine forth the gospel. Shine forth as a gospel beacon of hope, clearly sharing and clearly showing the love of Christ to a broken world. Let this be our prayer. It's a congregation. Let us loudly herald this red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Let us as a congregation pray this. God, please take our hearts and use them for a hurting community. Let our hearts cry out for injustice while at the same time let us be a congregation that ardently supports and defends and prays for our beloved law enforcement officers who truly are putting their lives on the line right now. Let us pray for these things. Let us pray peace and security within these walls, but more importantly, as we saw a minute ago, in each of our lives. Let us let us shine the love of Jesus Christ to a broken world. Oh God, as we long for the day when with all kindred and tribe and people and nation we will worship the Lamb, let this be that place. Let this be a place of peace, security, and unity in Christ. So, we're going to wrap this up. I've already gone longer than I anticipated today. As we see this appropriate passage, let us realize that worship gatherings, they can and should be places of gladness. They should be. Worship gatherings should be saturated with gratitude. Worship gatherings should be characterized by peace and security. The unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. But let's summarize it down to one statement. Here it is. We should be continually delighted with the opportunity God has given us to gather and worship. Continually. Many of us have longed to be back together. Here's my prayer. Let this not lose its luster. God, let that craving not fade or wane in my heart. All of our hearts 
longing to be back together a year from now. Let us still have that same desire. God, it is good for us to be in the house of the Lord, to worship with other followers of Jesus. It is good to gather together with other of Jesus' people. So what? We can conclude this with maybe a quick so what application to this today. I honestly think the so what is embedded in the last two verses of this passage. Here they are. David says, For my brother and brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, representative of his presence, I will seek your good. What are the two appropriate questions? Here they are. We can ask ourselves this right now Will my love for the church be heard in the words I share? How affectionate do you how affectionately do you speak of this to your neighbors to your family members to those you come into contact in the community with every week how affectionately do you talk of this David says I will speak I will speak my desire for unity and peace will change the way I talk Also, the second question there this week. Will my love for the church be seen in the effort I give? He says, for the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. What are you doing to make this a place of gladness, of gratitude, of peace and security? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So God, along with David this morning, that is our prayer. I I pray, God, that You would give us grace to be able to cry this out with David. God, we realize that worship is not tagged to this particular location, this particular time. But certainly we are thankful for this particular location and this time that we gather together here on Sunday mornings, 10-15. We gather together through the weeks in different groups. Overall, God, I pray that we would be consumed with worship wherever we are, all through the week. Lord, I pray that You would please guide our hearts through this time of frustration, the disturbance we see on the TVs in front of us, as noted in the major metroplexes of the United States of America, I pray, God, that you would give us wisdom and discernment to seek biblical justice, to pray and seek the protection of godly people. Lord, I pray that this passage would ring true in our minds and our thoughts all week long. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Father, we pray these things today in the name of Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen.